This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hello and welcome to Bodies of Horror, the podcast where we look at all of our favorite horror films from the classic, the camp, to the cringe, through the lens of disability. I am your host, Nicole, and I am thrilled to have you here. Now, we have a very, very special episode here for y'all, and I am so, so excited to welcome back to the pod, Ariel Basca. Now, Ariel came on the pod to share her experience as a filmmaker and discuss her film, Our First Priority, a film that centered on medical gaslighting, which is something that many of us with disabilities or complex medical needs experience in varying degrees. So I'm so thrilled to have you back. Welcome back, Ariel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be back. Of course. But y'all, Ariel is here today to talk about something that is really, really cool, and that is Access Horror. So Ariel, what exactly is Access Horror? So Access Horror is a festival and summit that I created to celebrate the history, the future, and the impact of disability in the horror genre. And for me, accessibility is you know, the most important part, that's why it goes first in front of horror. And it's also really important to me that we have these really strong conversations. And so it's equal parts, short films, and also panels where people who are notable luminaries in the genre field are talking with disability advocates about how we can create change together. And so for me, The core thesis that I had when I was putting this event together was change is not going to happen unless we put people together who are from, who are, who are notable in the field, along with the disability advocates who maybe aren't as well known, but should be, and certainly deserve to be and creating change through the event by having deeper conversations that really reckon with the history of horror. That's amazing. So I think this is probably, I mean, the overall I think concept is probably somewhat familiar to folks that have engaged with, you know, a lot of virtual um, festivals of this sort. You know, you talked about panels, short films, which I think is such, such an amazing thing. And I really love that you added, you know, you, you kind of gave some context to why the word access comes before horror because I think this is something that we talked a little bit about um, in in our previous conversation about accessibility and you know the the horror community as a whole being accessible to folks with disabilities in a lot of different ways both in, I think in terms of just logistics you know being able to participate in specific events like fests, and also just, I think, accessibility in terms of more uh, based on some ideological concepts as well. So I I found that really profound and and really cool. Um, 
So I want to talk a little bit about the process of how this best access horror goes from an idea to reality. So what spawned this idea and how what were some of the the main steps to take it from that idea to actually being something real? Yeah. So it's it's been a long process. Even before I became a filmmaker, I wanted to create a festival of this sort. Like I this has been something that I've had as a motivating force behind everything for a very long time. But then um, in January, I found what I thought was the perfect venue for the event in Baltimore. And I really, you know, I really finally felt like I had found the perfect venue to have it. And they were really interested in accessibility. But, um, you know, like they were they were really going to partner with me and making sure that everything was fully accessible to the best in the in all the best ways it possibly could except um it became very clear to me that doing it on that model was not going to be financially accessible for people either to participate you know they would have to have hotel rooms and they would have to you know come and do the thing and then in terms of physical accessibility, there's always a limitation on what you can really do when you're in person. Mm-hmm. But I went guns a-blazing from January to April, trying to make it work on that model and trying to figure out all the possible angles I could accommodate for, et cetera. And then I finally had to just recognize that I wasn't going to raise enough money for a first year festival to be able to make it affordable. And so I pivoted to the online model. And what I love about pivoting to the online model is as soon as we did that, we got uh, support from the George Romero Foundation. I saw that. Which is really fantastic. And then additionally, um, I just felt like we were able to create a model that is much more sustainable by doing that. Um, You know, in the future, I think we do want to try to have something that is a hybrid, but for right now, going virtual allows us to be financially accessible to people. We are also making sure that people who can't afford the $20 price point for our tickets can still participate if they would like to. Um, We're still offering sliding scale um, tickets for people who need them. And it's, I think it's a beautiful thing that we are committed to making sure that people anywhere in the world can still access this content. That's incredible. And I I love kind of how you walk through the different models that you could have taken. I mean, having something in Baltimore, I mean, that speaks to me being in DC. It would have been like, oh, I can just, you know, hop over. Um, but I think virtual is obviously in terms of accessibility something that's so key and having something that's hybrid um, is is so cool. And I think that you've seen um, a number of different uh, festivals that, you know, were in-person only prior to the pandemic and then shifted um, at least for a couple of years to online only, now doing hybrid, where there's kind of that mix of, you know, uh, folks that can be here in person feel so, you know, doing so comfortably, 
have the means to do so because I also love that you highlighted the fact that, you know, it's both a, a physical accessibility piece, but also a financial accessibility piece. If you've attended any fest, you know that you, um, you know, it's, it is money. Um, it's, it's definitely a lightning of the pocket. So um, I, I really love kind of all of the thought that went into making sure that this is as accessible for folks as possible. And well, I, I want to circle back to kind of, you know, the future of Access Horror in, in a bit. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about um, you kind of uh, mentioned the panels and films and really bringing in uh, amazing mix of folks and being able to have peaked um, some of the folks that you have uh, kind of coming together for these panels, I think are just outstanding. And I wanted to know if you would talk a little bit about the panels um, and the films and how you went about selecting them for this fest. Absolutely. So the panels were actually the first thing that uh, I knew I wanted to do before I knew anything else. I knew I wanted to have the panels that would you know, to my mind, at least start the conversations that need to be had. And so what I did was I came up with like the general construct of where we've been and where we're going. Um, and so day one of the panels on July 8th is specifically focused on kind of the history of horror representation in media. So there's one panel that's specifically on the history of horror, looking at disabled villains and heroes. Um, then there's another panel specifically looking at intersectional identities on film. Oh, wow. and to me, it's so important that we're actually wrangling with intersectionality within yeah. this space, because I think one of the things that gets lost from a lot of disability conversations is how, you know, the interaction effect happens mm -hmm. where, you know, so many overlapping identities contribute to a loss of autonomy in so many different ways. We've seen that time and time again in the pandemic where, uh, blackness and disability together or queerness and disability together have led to erasure of identity completely. And yeah. it's, it's something that I think really needs to be confronted in a, in a very forward thinking way. Absolutely. And then, you know, we have other panels on topics such as, uh, gatekeeping in horror as well. Um, this is something that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, I actually spoke at South by Southwest on disability and horror um, with a really strong focus on gatekeeping within the genre and how it keeps us both in terms of disability identity and horror identity from actually being in an inclusive space that is accepting of everyone. Um, because I do feel like there are hierarchical structures everywhere that keep people from actually being able to fully embrace what they are and what they're doing. Yeah. So that's, that's another one of them. Um, uh, also, uh, we have a mental health and horror panel from Ghouls Magazine 
um, which I've been writing for for a while. Um, Ghouls Magazine is made up of some really fabulous writers between America mm-hmm. and England. Um, and uh, so the editor and the assistant editor uh, are both in that conversation and they are both absolute dynamite. So I think that'll be great. Absolutely. And I think the mental health panel was the first one I saw some information on. Um, I've talked a little bit about psychoanalysis, the podcast, and Jen Adams, who was a co-host on that podcast, also part of the Losers Club, um, and also a, a complete bright spot here at the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad with the girls on the boys and white ladies in crisis pod. I know that she, that is a topic that she is um, really passionate and informed on. And she's part of that panel too. And so that really inspired me to kind of dig into what the other panels were because I could see information coming out and I was blown away. Um, it, It, just seems so comprehensive um, in a way that is digestible for folks. I love that you're focusing in on intersectionality because I think that, that you're, the way that you framed it is perfect. It's, it's one of those things that um, is really a struggle to uh, have a specific conversation on because there's just not people kind of leading that charge. And it's a really important topic. Um, you know, one of the things that I have really tried to do here in the films that we cover is um, focusing in on intersectionality. And it's truly a struggle to find films that speak to, you know, that, that experience. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really love that that is something that you're um, kind of focusing on. And I think the gatekeeping as well, um, and how that can be such a block for folks to participate and be part of the Hort community um, is just uh, amazing. So I, I was really, really, really um, impressed with the panels, and I'm excited to listen in and walk away with just a wealth of, I think, wonderful uh, takeaways and knowledge. And we've got some really wonderful folks participating in general. I mean, we've got people who've worked with Marvel, with Disney, you know, really fabulous directors in their own right. Um, And, you know, to me, it's so important that, you know, we be having these conversations with people who, if I'm allowed to say it, are not assholes. (laughs) I've... I've been I've been so lucky to get to meet so many incredible, uh, warm and wonderful people in horror, um, and I I felt very strongly that if I invite you know people that I know for a fact are warm and wonderful to the table and invite them to have a conversation that's framed in a way that's not going to be a gotcha, you know that that change could actually happen, and. You know, and I, I've been incredibly lucky to be able to talk to different people about uh, various different topics in disability and horror and get people to engage with me on this level. 
No, I think that's really fantastic. And I think it just goes to show the the real thoughtfulness that went into how, you know, not just logistically what we talked about in terms of the makeup of the fest, but, you know, the content that people are engaging with and really the people that are coming to the table to to spearhead it. Um, I, yeah, it, it, um, it was one of those things, once I, I started seeing information come out about it, I was just, um, it, it's one of those things that it's almost like an embarrassment of riches, where it's like, this is incredible. I'm so excited that they're covering this topic and they have these folks. And you're right. Like you do want to bring people to the table that are going to frame conversations and have conversations in a way that aren't, you know, just a gotcha, um, that can lead to real change and, um, you know, really move things forward as opposed to, you know, possibly stall. Now, you know, I will say sometimes people do need to hear a gotcha to start that next bit. It's true. It's very <laughs> true. But but at the same time, you know, even if you have to hear correction, it doesn't have to be framed in in such a, you know, such a way that turns everyone off. You can just say, okay, let's pivot from this to this. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. I love it. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the films and talk to me about that process um, of how you were um, finding and selecting the films that are part of Access Horror. Absolutely. So I will say because of our first priority, um, I had the opportunity to go to a lot of really fabulous film festivals and um, I, I reached out to directors of various different film festivals, um, starting with Final Girls Berlin, where my film had its world premiere, and they were absolutely delighted to curate a block of films for us. And so I went to Final Girls Berlin, Fantastic Fest, and also... Um, to Superfest Disability Film Festival and ask them to curate their own blocks for us that celebrate disability and horror. And so each of these three festivals did a fabulous job coming up with uh, films that are, you know, reflective of, of various different kinds of topics. So you have topics from mental health to, you know, physical differences to, um, very existential questions about the autonomy of our bodies um, that are are really riveting, in my opinion. The films themselves are from anywhere from 2017 to 2023. Um, we deliberately opened up the breadth of like when they could have been submitted to festivals and so forth. But I I really feel like we came up with a wonderful sampling of horror that just has a lot to say in this space. I'm so excited to to see them. Um, obviously, you have experience being a filmmaker and participating in Fest from that angle. How did that inform your approach to seeking out and selecting the films that would be part of this? It informed quite a bit of it because I, I knew, for example, right away that, 
you know, I, I didn't even get started on this process until January. So I knew for a fact from both what I've done personally in submitting to film festivals and what I've seen on the other end as a programmer for things like the Virginia Emerging Film Festival, I know what it takes to be able to curate your own blocks of films. And I know how much back and forth there has to be about assets and making sure that you have the video files and all of that. And so I knew, for example, that I couldn't take submissions this year. I didn't have enough time to do that. I didn't have enough time to really do all of the things that I wanted to do, but I prioritized what I felt was important to me as a filmmaker, which was that I'd be able to give every filmmaker a screening fee uh, for actually showing their film, um, you know, come up with some really fantastic tentacular laurels. Those were the things that were important to me as a filmmaker. So, <laughs> you know, so I, I decided to, you know, prioritize those things. But then also, you know, by going through people I already had contact with who were really warm and wonderful people in the festival circuit, you know, I I really feel like there is an embarrassment of riches there in terms of content that other people have already spent a long time, you know, combing through and curating in really interesting ways and really tapping into the larger community to kind of come together and look at things in a different way. And, and it's, it's really been fabulous because um, in, in all three cases, it's been a conversation and the conversation mm -hmm. has been so valuable, I think, in terms of talking about, well, is this horror, is this not horror, is this disability appropriate or is this ableist, you know, how, how are we thinking about what these films are saying? And so that's been a really important conversation. That's, that's really interesting. And I don't know if you you want to expand on that because obviously, you know, the disability community, the disability experience as a whole is so vast. Um, you know, we often talk about the disability experience being the lived experience. Mm -hmm. um, and so how, what kind of thoughts were you having as you were saying, well, is this, appropriate? Is this ableist? Does this fall into a category of, you know, a disability realm? Um, what, what were some of the things that were kind of forefront in your mind regarding that? Yeah, well, I would say my, my biggest guiding principle question is, is the disability the horror? Because if the disability is the horror, then that means that the filmmaker is kind of invalidating the disability experience in certain kinds of ways. And yeah. so I kind of started from the premise of, you know, looking at films where, you know, you can, you can work in a, in a framework where disability is horrifying in and of itself sometimes, if you are also placing the burden of, the storytelling elsewhere. Right. And so I feel I feel very strongly that 
as storytellers, we have an obligation to make it clear that, you know, not everybody has to tell stories in exactly the way that I want to. Um, personally, I think that ableism should be the horror in disability and horror. But at the same time, I recognize that not everybody is going to tell stories exactly the same way I do. But at the same time, I do think there has to be a sensitivity around what constitutes horror. And we have to make sure as we're looking at things, very clearly, can we see, you know, is is there something new that is being developed that is said about this relationship? Yeah, absolutely. And I, if you have merch, I really want your, your quote about ableism to be on it all. <laughs> um, because I think that that's, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, to me, at least what, uh, it kind of boils down to in terms of, you know, when we look at disability representation in horror, there's a thousand in ways to kind of slice that, that onion. But I think that for me, where it becomes really tricky is, is it, you know, are we going down lines that are ableist or exploitative? Um, because that really doesn't, it's not that it's just, you know, in bad taste in, in a lot of times, it just doesn't do anything to have a conversation. Um, there's really nothing to like take from it. You can't, it's like, well, you know, you, you kind of hit a wall with it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there can't be some complex, um, you know, uh, viewpoints and, elements of disability that are represented that do, I think, further conversation. And as you said, it may not be, you know, perhaps in the style um, that you would choose, but you're, you're like, yeah, that, that has, you know, some merit to a conversation. So let's add it to, to the list here. Mm-hmm. And there are some very challenging films. I'm going to say that straight up. Like there are some films that I think people will be very challenged by and possibly offended by, you know, I, I, I didn't try to shy away from any, any offense being taken, but what I wanted to make sure all of the films were doing was having an actual conversation and saying more about the nature of what disability really represents in spaces and why accessibility is important and why, you know, favoring one disability over another, looking at hierarchical views of disability mm-hmm. is so damaging. And so I, I will I will be very explicitly political about this because that that's who I am. So no, and I you know I think that it's important to have that viewpoint. I I, I don't think that there's something to um I, I don't know. Um and, and I love what you said too about kind of the hierarchical issues of disability. Um, 
representation and all of that. One of the things that I think is, at least for me, sometimes frustrating is that I feel like there's a lot of disability shorthand in representation where one disability represents everything. Yes. And no, absolutely no. Um, and so I, I really love that you're looking at kind of a more complex representation. Like you said, there's going to be some stuff that's really challenging and that's really exciting because you, anyone that I've talked to that has engaged in any kind of film fest, the films that they're most excited to talk about are the ones that challenge them, are the ones that they were like, ooh, this one left me really feeling a, a, a certain way. Um, and that's really cool, um, because it's kind of done its job. It's not something that's, you know, put up a wall and said, no, this is just what we're doing. And we don't want to have a conversation. We don't want to do anything that is provocative for the sake of conversation. Um, you're really being thoughtful about like, we, we want things that challenge perceptions. We want things that talk about issues that perhaps are difficult and putting them in a way that leaves the viewers thinking about things long after they've left that screening. Yeah. And it and it's also a thing where I think, you know, the way that we think about healthcare mm-hmm. as a whole is also something that uh, is looked at very deliberately through all of the blocks of films in different ways. Um, yeah. And so I, I feel like, you know, there, there are a couple of films that we did choose to include that have more to say about healthcare systems than they do necessarily to say about disability. Yeah. But I do feel like I can argue for their inclusion because I do feel like it does impact all of us with disabilities in the realm of horror. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. No, and I appreciate that because, yeah, you know, being someone that has a disability, you're spending a lot more time and involvement with the healthcare system. So, yeah, that's part of the experience. It is. So I, I completely think that's, that's appropriate. That's just hearing more about kind of everything that has gone into the thinking, the structure, the content of Access War just makes me even so much more excited um, for Access War to get here. Now, I I, kind of want to uh, pivot and talk about that involvement and logistics, how folks get involved. Um, So I don't know if you want to share a little bit about, so Access Horror is when? When when is this virtual fest happening? Yeah, so it's happening July 8th and 9th. Um, You can find it on accesshorror.com. Um, and it's streaming live through Eventive on July 8th and 9th, but anything that is up there will be up there for two weeks after to enjoy. Okay. Uh, because again, this is another component of accessibility. We want to make sure that even people who are not physically present 
in the right times or time zones can still access the information however they would choose to um, on their own time. And so we made uh, all of the panels accessible from everywhere in the world. Um, the films are only accessible from the home countries of the filmmakers. So that is the US, the UK, Canada, Australia, Germany, and Greenland. So just so you're aware, the films can only be accessed from those countries, uh, but you can buy a ticket for only the panel portion, which is $10, and uh, a ticket for the film portion is $10. We also have a special version of um, the films for low vision attendees, so blind and low vision mm -hmm. attendees, because we only have um, the soup, only the Superfest Disability Film Festival block of films has audio description. Um, if you are blind or low vision, you can get free access to those um, without needing to pay for a separate ticket for films. So, okay. um, so just just so that any anyone any of your listeners are aware, um, we're trying to make everything as accessible as we can, and going forward. We want to make sure that there's audio description for everything, but unfortunately, we didn't have the funding to do that this year. No, that's that's important. Um, so just to clarify one thing um, with the films. So being someone that's in the U.S., I would not be able to view the films that are from the other countries. Only the oh, films. No. Oh no, you can view all, all the films from all the countries okay. if you are in one of the countries I listed. Got it, okay. Just wanted so, to clarify. No, that's a great question because I, I haven't been explicitly clear about that. But if you are from any one of the home countries of the filmmakers, you can access everything. Perfect. Because I was gonna go in on a, you know, we we have VPNs. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh. also true. I what? I will not deny that there are <laughs> VPNs in the world. It yes. is a thing. No, that's that's wonderful. So, um, yeah, and I think that this is a really comprehensive, um, you know, little package of things that you you really get a lot of bang for your buck. You're getting films. You're getting panels on a wide array of topics with some real thought leaders in those areas. So this and is we amazing. Also, yeah, we also do have Q and A's with some of the filmmakers as well. Ooh, um, yes. So there are recorded Q and A's that myself and my friend Lisa Gullickson recorded with a few of the filmmakers. So there is at least one filmmaker from every block who is represented. So. Amazing. This is fantastic. Now, obviously, um, the link to find out more about Access Work, get your tickets, will be in the show notes. Um, I'm super excited to um, participate and listen in on the panels, watch as many of the films as I can live, um, and you know, possibly in the summer if I'm feeling so inclined, which I have a feeling I am, I may uh, do a bonus episode on the fest in my experience because Ooh. I'm just really really excited this is something that I think is so important um not just in terms of 
you know, raising vis uh, visibility and awareness around disability and connection, further connection to the whole community. But I think, I don't know, it just, it makes me very, very happy to see folks that are putting together events like this with such thought and um, uh, just some, some real power behind it. So, um, I'm super excited. All of the information, like I said, will be in the notes to get your tickets. Um, now, I do kind of want to close out the conversation. So we're talking about um, access for this year, just coming up. This episode is going to drop um, just over a week before the fest. So if you don't have your tickets, when you're hearing this, make sure to get them ASAP. Um, but I want to ask you about the future of Access Horror. Um, what, what would you love to see for Access Horror going forward? Um, what do you see, you know, future years looking like with an event like this? Yeah, so basically we're looking at Access Horror 2025 already kind of being you know, the next edition of this. I, I planned it as sort of a biennial thing so that I could still have a career as a <laughs> filmmaker and not be a 24-7 festival director. But um, for me, it's it's really a powerful thing um, to have it online. And so I don't think we would ever go away from having at least an online component to what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and so, but I think it, I think in 2025, we do want it to be in person and online as well. Um, and so we have to kind of figure out exactly what our venue is going to be and so forth. But we would love to have guests that we're able to actually bring in um, and support different things, however we need to um, in a physical space and you know bring in guests from all over the world uh as we originally intended to this year so i i i'm really excited about the future of access horror i also know for a fact that um the george romero foundation has already pledged its support for 2025 so yes. um that's really fantastic um and so we we feel very optimistic going into it in terms of what we're going to do and i have a fabulous team of people helping me who really have been so supportive on every level and without whom i could not have made this happen oh that's fantastic and it completely makes sense to give yourself you know like that year of planning and buffer because you are a person that does so much. Um, and that's that's incredible. Now you've mentioned uh, the foundation uh, a couple of times. Are there any other partners or folks that have been really integral in bringing forth Access Horror that you want to give a shout out to now? Well, absolutely all of the film festivals I mentioned. So Final yeah. Girls, Fantastic Fest, and Superfest have been absolutely integral in terms of this process. But then so have other 
organizations like Respectability and Fangoria, who have been really behind us 100% and have been, you know, very instrumental in introducing us to a lot of good people um, and mm-hmm. thought partners for the conference and festival. And it's it's really been incredible also to have the support of um, the Portland Art Museum. One of the key members of our team is from the Portland Art Museum. Um, and uh, she has been absolutely perfect for our accessibility uh, team as a whole. And we have just been very lucky to have, you know, so many different organizations coming together to support us in different ways. Um, and I, I will be honest, I'm sure there are other organizations I'm leaving off. Oh, Next Horror Collective as well um, has been an excellent thought partner on this, on this festival. And it's really important to me that we are working with different sectors of the community as a whole and that we have um, spent a lot of time kind of thinking through not just the networks of people we can reach out to, but also making sure that we're involving people who may not have necessarily become involved with something labeled disability and horror before because a lot of people shy away from disability and horror specifically because it makes people think of really cringy you know not great representation uh disabled villains all over the place and bond films and so on and so forth and we want this to be a warm and welcoming space and i think reaching out to a lot of really great folks has helped us to make that. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm I I obviously part of not just putting together something like this, but in terms of its future and sustainability, having such a core, I think, group of partners and supporters that are really on that same page is so important. And so I really appreciate you know, that's been part of the process as well. Yeah. And we've just been tremendously lucky in a lot of ways. It's been a lot of hard work, but it's also been a lot of luck with, you know, working with, you know, really wonderful folks who make a difference in different ways. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ariel, for talking about Access Horror. Um, again, all the information is going to be in the show notes. Make sure that you get your tickets to either, um, as Ariel said, there's going to be um, tickets that are specific for the panel and then tickets that are for panels and film. Is there tickets for films only as well? Yes, that is also true. Like you can get a pass that is for the films only, a pass that is for panels only and a pass that is for both. There you go. So you can kind of choose your own adventure there. Um, But I'm so excited uh, to, like I said, uh, listen in on the panels, watch the films, and be on the lookout for a future episode talking about some of the the highlights for me. Um, Such an amazing, amazing event. I'm so excited that something like this exists. And 
as I've said um, before, like I'm constantly in awe of folks that are really out there using their their platforms and um, their connections and whatever they have, their passions to really put something like this forth. I think it's so, so, so important. And um, I, I, I can't thank you enough, Ariel, for, for all that you've done to kind of raise the awareness and visibility of disability in horror, both in terms of what you're doing with Access Horror, but as a filmmaker and as someone who just speaks so beautifully um, in pieces at Ghouls uh, magazine um, on, on disability, it's, it's truly, uh, truly something I admire and respect. So uh, thank you so, so, so much. Well, thank you so, so much. I, I, I love that you're using your voice for good in this space and it's so wonderful. And I, you know, I, I really just need you to know how much I value your voice in this space too. So thank you. Well, I, I appreciate that. So yes, be on the lookout for more access work content here on the pod, uh, but all the information to participate and be part of that conversation uh, will be in the show notes. Thank you again to Ariel for being here and talking about Access Horror. And um, yeah, again, also a huge thank you as always to Anatomy of a Scream, the home and heart of Bodies of Horror. And thank you for listening and until next time. Scream Pod Squad.